0: Hello and welcome to the Raising the Bar podcast, brought to you by the Association of Greys Inn Students. My name is Neve, and in this new series, A Student's Guide, each episode will explore a different topic associated with becoming a barrister from a student's perspective. Now that you have been well and truly introduced to the series, I will turn to my first guest, Nicholas Sciola. Hello, Nicholas.
1: Hi, Neve. Thanks for having me on.
0: Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. It obviously Goes without saying, it's so great to have you here. So this episode, as I introduced, is about a student's guide to pupillage. But for you, you have obtained pupillage and you secured this during your GDL year, which is the Graduate Diploma in Law, a law conversion course for non-law undergraduate students. So actually, something less common than people might appreciate is that you have had a very linear path to the bar, I hope you don't mind me saying. Um, You haven't had a gap in your studies and you are now set to start pupillage this year. So first things first, this can be done, Um, but I'm going to start with you at school. When you were choosing your A-levels or your university degree, did you know what career you wanted to have?
1: Definitely not for a level. So I deliberately um, picked a, a mix. So I had no idea what I wanted to do. I did physics, art, history, and maths to keep my options open. Uh, but I was always best at history. So I sort of naturally went down that path. Never considered law because everyone told me, don't do it. Um, just do something else first, and then you can always change later. Um, so I did history. I loved history, still do. Um, but I had an idea. I think I did have legal interests quite early.
0: Okay. Where did they come from then?
1: I'm not entirely sure. I think I, fir- I first noticed them at, during undergrad when I was. you get the uh, crazy recruitment drive of solicitors firms, right? So they were coming around and I thought, this is cool. This kind of mixes well with my historical interests in the analytical sense. So that, that's where it started.
0: Okay. So back at school, when you say... You had an interest in history. You were told not necessarily to do a straight law degree. Who were you told this by? Where did you find out this types of information? Of course, it's great that the Graduate Diploma in Law exists, but that doesn't mean to say that you shouldn't do a straight law degree. There's so many different options. But for you personally, why did you choose not to do a straight undergraduate law degree?
1: I can't remember exactly who told me. It was definitely careers people, but also When I was researching different degrees to uh, do, I came across the famous—I think it's Lord Sumption and um, a Cambridge professor—debating whether or not to do a law degree. And I was convinced by Lord Sumption. I thought (laughs) thought he won that debate. He said, "Don't do it." He was a historian first, and I was always—I always loved and was good at history, so I thought uh, it just made sense to me. Law, going to law, although I—I thought I might be interested in it. I, the option of choosing swapping over later. That, that all made a lot of sense.
0: I think that's a really key point to make, that actually if you do have another interest at school and looking to choosing an undergraduate university degree, to not close that off so early on. I mean, you're only 18 when you're going off to university. You might as well follow your passion, and you were very interested and passionate about history. And actually it gives you those three years in undergraduate to really figure out what you wanted to do. Did you find that you were able to use your university experience to then find out a bit more about your career?
1: Yeah, for sure. The strange thing was that it was almost as soon as I arrived at university, I started doing legal things and thinking, I want to go into this profession. So that was kind of probably earlier than normal, I was getting into that. And I think it made me think that if I, if I was convinced about being a lawyer at school, I probably would have preferred to have done a law degree first. I think if you if you know that's a job for you because it's the probably the quickest way you can get to the job, um, and you I mean, you're studying the law, you're immersed in the world, you're doing the mooting at undergrad. Um, but for me, I, yeah, I was enjoying my my degree in history,
0: yeah, that's very interesting. It's definitely worth saying that there's advantages to both options when choosing your undergraduate. You say you were exposed to all of these different legal, options at careers fairs for example were you always more enticed by a career at the bar as opposed to the solicitor route?
1: Is that at school or undergrad?
0: At any point when you started to think about a career in law did you ever explore the solicitor side or what was it about the bar that drew you in more than the other legal jobs?
1: So I think this kind of goes back to what I was just saying in the sense that it's hard. I think the the bar is harder to access as a non-law student at undergrad. Um, So for me, I had to really put myself out there to explore it more. I naturally came across the solicitor's profession first because they they physically come to you and they try and give you training contracts or they try and make you apply for them as soon as second year. But for the bar, so I studied at University College London, UCL, And you couldn't do mooting, you couldn't really attend many bar events at the time um, unless you're a law student. So for me, I I was going to KCL a lot to attend their events. So it it required more effort. It was was much easier to sort of talk to law firms and get involved in their vacation schemes than it was to um, access the bar.
0: I do agree. I also actually did the GDL from a non-law undergraduate. And I found that actually trying to explore the bar as a career was quite lonely because of course you don't have the support from your undergraduate degree cohort or professors, for example. You almost have to go out there by yourself, use your initiative and look for the opportunities that are there because they are there, but it does just require a little bit more research, for example. So when you were in first year or second year, how did you gain experience and how did you learn about a career at the bar?
1: I think the first experience, if I'm not wrong, and this it was what convinced me straight away. So I was sort of going through vacation scheme applications, uh, doing interviews for law firms in second year, and I can't remember why, but I signed up for a novice moot competition at KCL, and I went there, did the moot in front of um, a junior from Atkin Chambers, and I was terribly nervous, so it was probably very bad as well. But it was it, it was just the feeling, the sort of exhilaration of it, and um, but using the skills I'd loved in history, so it was like constructing an essay and presenting it orally, uh, and it was just the feeling of the oral advocacy. I think it convinced me almost straight away. And then um, the barrister judging the moot was kind enough to offer uh, all everyone who competed in our round to come into chambers for one day, um, and then that again sitting there seeing seeing how you do the work in practice. It reminded me of being at university a lot, just working on difficult pieces of work. But then the added element of oral advocacy, I think that's what really convinced me.
0: Amazing. So going back to that first experience of mooting, I do think that's a great introduction to the role of a barrister, especially if you're just studying at university. But it is incredibly daunting, getting up there, doing your first moot. I mean, even the word moot sounds quite foreign to non-law students, especially. How on earth did you um, prepare for something that is so unnatural for a non-law student, especially by yourself and going to a university you don't even attend? Can you offer any advice for someone perhaps doing their very first moot with no previous experience?
1: I think you just have to find a really good university bar society who's open and welcoming. Um, Not to shout out too much KCL Bar and Mooting Society, but they were. And I went to some um, workshop sessions. I think I did two sessions before the moot. I prepared by myself. I just searched for online resources. I still don't think I was very good in that first moot, but it's it's doing the first one once you've done that the unnatural experience it's been done and it, it's it's all it all gets better from there it's practice it's strange performative um, but really enjoyable you just have to sort of do it because it, it will be the job right so
0: I completely agree it almost is taking that leap of faith into your first experience of mooting and if you really don't enjoy it then perhaps that's the learning curve that you needed to show that maybe oral advocacy isn't for you and that the bar maybe isn't for you. But I would also encourage people to give it another go. Do keep trying. And that's what being a student is all about. You've got to explore all the different options out there. And for anyone who is looking for a career at the bar, mooting is a really great outlet for that. So I would really encourage that. Um, But I echo what you're saying about the student societies. It may seem like They are inaccessible for non-law students, but you should just try and, as you mentioned, attend workshops first and foremost, go to talks. That's where you'll find out information. And it's also where you'll meet people because, as you said, doing that moot is where you met a barrister who allowed you to come in and gave up his time to teach you a little bit more about the career and getting that foot in the door into your first mooting experience has been the catalyst for where you've ended up now would you say
1: yeah i think so it sort of has a snowball effect uh, the main thing is that you enjoy it so sort of just to go back even if you're even if you're bad in the mood that's not the issue you can always get better it's practice but the key thing is that you find something that you enjoy i did and then from there you apply for maybe mini pupillages you try other experiences and once you get one the second one comes easier the third one comes easier and it's sort of, that's the start for sure.
0: I definitely agree. So relating that to your experience, what happened after your first mooting experience? How did you then snowball into where you ended up?
1: Well, what happened was I applied for another moot, but this time it was a novice intermediate. So you get paired up with someone who's an intermediate mooter, and we made a really good pair. Um, It was a construction question for Keating Chambers at KCL bar mooting society again and I was I was impressed that I mean impressed at myself but that I got much better in my second moot and it was really enjoyable we got through to the final and eventually won the competition I think that was uh, luck's involved but it sort of it proved to me that I could do it I think it was important I was working with someone else who um, had more experience and you sort of learn off each other so that was another one and then that also resulted in many pupillage at Keating and again just consolidated the fact that the day-to-day job is also really fun. It's again to me it, it's similar to writing essays, thinking out difficult problems um, so that that was the next step.
0: I think that's worth highlighting that it really is a confidence game and something that does seem so foreign at first, once you give it a go Mooting, for example, you get feedback from that. You get to learn from other people around you, even your peers. And from there, you can then get better, improve, you become more comfortable and more confident. And then that's where you can start to really build your CV, build these experiences, and get to where you want to be. Touching on your university experience, of course, you're building this plethora of legal experiences you mentioned mini-pupillages. How did you find applying to mini-pupillages as a non-law student? Were there any barriers involved and uh, where did you get that confidence to apply?
1: I think, especially third year, I was a bit of a maniac in terms of just applying to every single thing I could. Um, I didn't know that much, sort of second year, third year, about what I was doing. I think if I look back now, I was definitely making applications that were quite premature um, thinking about how it's, it's still very difficult to get a mini pupillage. And you kind of want to do it at the right stage. So it's, yeah, it's a strange one in the sense that you want to get that experience, but there's some sets, if you really like them, you want to show them off uh, your best potential. Maybe that comes later. As I sort of already said, a lot of them were quite accidental, or they were prizes that I'd been given from mooting. And I think that was a good way of doing it early on. Because when I've done later mini pupillages, it becomes much more serious. Uh, The applications become much more difficult. But you do, yeah, you want to put yourself out there. I think my main piece of advice, though, I think the thing to focus on is, especially looking at the commercial bar, is you need to have a very good first degree. Um, So don't forget about your degree. Work as hard as you can on that. And I'm sure you'll enjoy it, you'll love it. Um, But that should be your priority, I think.
0: So, during your history undergrad, you've mentioned mooting and mini-pupilages. Did you do any other types of legal experience to build your CV?
1: Okay, I got convinced to come to the bar by mooting, but the thing that opened the bar up as an option to me was volunteering in a legal advice centre in Tower Hamlets once a week, um, where I would assist two uh, commercial barristers who, who would get the hardest issues each week, and seeing how they dealt with the problems and sort of gave their advice and comparing that to my experiences of working with some solicitors I just saw it was a different kind of engagement and that yeah that was one of the best experiences that I did for sure.
0: Yeah there are definitely so many pro bono opportunities out there you just need to find them. How did you go about finding and securing this experience and also how did you find actually attempting the work because again as with everything, the first time you do something, it is a very daunting experience.
1: Again, it's me sending a lot of unsolicited emails like a maniac. I think this is probably the trend until people eventually listen to me because I've, the place I was volunteering for, Legal Advice Centre University House, I just sent an unsolicited email and they said, come in, we'll give you a trial, see how you like it. And then they set me up for a slot every Wednesday. And I've tried to get into contact with them More recently, so I stopped volunteering for a while, and they didn't reply to me. So (laughs) I think you do get lucky with these things, but definitely just put yourself out there. A lot of it is hard graft, and and it works out
0: exactly. And it's worth encouraging people to do that. Just give it a go, because you never know where you could end up. But it sounds like you've built up this great experience during university. You solidified for yourself that this was a career you were really interested in, and you really would enjoy, and actually that you had the necessary skills for as well. So how did you find then transitioning from a non-law degree into the Graduate Diploma in Law? Uh, You went straight from university into the GDL, I believe.
1: Yeah, I did. Being honest, it's not as fun as history, Um, especially the GDL, because you just skate over the topics so fast. There's not much time to intellectually engage with some really interesting problems that you do come across. So obviously the law is fun, can be very fun. There are a lot of knotty problems um, to deal with, but the GDL does not give you the time to do that. But it's it's a stepping stone. You have to jump through that hoop. I mean, you have to learn the law at some point and it's a very efficient way of doing it. But I can't lie and say I, I didn't miss history.
0: Interesting. So there you go. It almost shows that it is worth doing a non-law undergraduate degree if you do have that innate interest in a different subject area. Did you find that you had transitional skills from your history undergraduate degree that then enabled you to perform better or perform well then as a law student?
1: I think certainly for written advocacy, history has taught me so much or the way we were taught at UCL Uh, I I really learned how to digest problems and construct persuasive arguments effectively and efficiently. And that is crucial to the GDL, but it's also crucial to a practice at the bar. And I think that's one of the, the things I'm most grateful for. But also it's so similar in a lot of ways.
0: So on your GDL year, you started in September. Obviously, the Pupillage Gateway opens in January. What did you do in those first few months of the GDL? How did you prepare for this looming application process?
1: Yeah, it's daunting. It's chaotic. It'll be the busiest year of your life, which is why I do advise anyone to do as much as you can in undergrad um, so that you have less pressure on yourself during the GDL. And also take it at your own pace. Do what suits you. It's not for everyone uh, applying for pupillage on the GDL year. I think it's a lot of extra work. It's I almost split my time 50-50 between applying and doing GDL work. What I, I did a few more mini-pupillages because you want to get them in before you apply. Um, so it's fresh in your mind uh, so that maybe you they remember you. That's a good idea. And um, I volunteered for the City University's school exclusions project, which is probably, again, one of the best things that I've done. You represent the parents who permanently excluded children at governing body hearings and independent review panel hearings. And it gives you an opportunity to run your own cases and practice oral advocacy and actually get effective results. That was crucial, I think, to my applications, but also to my own confidence in my ability to do the job.
0: So by the time you're then applying for pupillage, you've already got quite a plethora of experience under your belt. So that makes the process a little bit easier without having to juggle gaining new experience at the same time as applying for pupillage and trying to figure out what area you want to go into. Touching on that last point, how did you know after only doing a few months into the GDL and only a little bit of experience, as you said, skating over these quite vast legal topics. How did you know what area you wanted to
1: do? I think it's very hard. Maybe luck because I had these early experiences and they were all in the same area and I I really enjoyed them. So they were all in sort of construction, engineering, infrastructure and international arbitration. And that really resonated with my own interests. As a historian, I was doing spatial and architectural history and a lot of comparative history. And it's so similar, So I, I've kept saying this, but for me, what I was doing in history was very similar to the problems I was tackling in these sort of construction mini-pupilages or uh, construction moots. So weirdly specialist very early on, but f- I, I liked it and I continue to like it. But I do think the challenge is as soon as you start your GDL, trying everything you can, so you never know what you might like. and. Even still, you don't know what you like until you try it. So yeah, that's the challenge.
0: Interesting. So you almost fell into construction law, would you say? Just from doing a moot in this area, you're then almost forced to explore this very new and slightly niche area of law. You start to learn a bit more about it, you find out you like it, and then almost tailor the rest of your experience into this area. Or did you try and gain a much more broader picture of experience?
1: So I started narrow. And then I thought initially thought this is probably too narrow. So I went into sort of I did more commercial experiences, a bit of chancery experience. And then starting your GDL, I wanted to explore the public law bar, um, sort of commercial public work because I'd really enjoyed my legal advice center experiences. I really enjoyed the school exclusions project. So I did have public law interests. Um, and then I ended up coming background to the, the the specialism, I did another mini pupillage in construction at four pump court. And it reminded me that this is, a, although that's where it started, I guess luck maybe, but it's still my favourite area so far.
0: I do think you do need a comparison almost to know what you don't like to be able to then solidify exactly where your strengths lie and where your interests lie. And it sounds like that's exactly what happened for you. Now turning to that daunting prospect of applying for pupillage. How did you prepare for this? At what point in the year did you start to think about these applications? How much preparation went into it? Tell me a little bit about your experience.
1: So I made a decision quite early on. So I had a few chats with barristers I'd met over the years. um, And I made a decision quite early on that I was going to apply. And if you're going to apply, you've got to, I think, do it properly because it it will take a lot out out of you in any case. So I went into the GDL year thinking I'm going to apply, I need to sort of get my CV in place and uh, you know get on things early. I spent city gives you a long Christmas holiday, so it's not a very fun Christmas, but I spent all of Christmas and most of January writing my applications. I put in a lot of applications and you're juggling constantly throughout the year, but it was I, I saw it as a sort of a second job, first job GDL, second job, applying for pupillage.
0: It's good to hear actually a bit of realism as well, because although you have had a lot of success and you've had a great journey to the bar, it's worth stressing that, of course, there is a lot of work that's gone on behind the scenes to get to where you are now. So the first stage are these written applications. Do you have any advice for not just pupillage applications, but mini-pupillage applications and anything else that aspiring barristers may have to be writing about themselves in order to gain this next step in their career path
1: yeah so it's a piece of written advocacy um ultimately and i recently read back my applications because someone asked for some tips like you have and it was strange you know it's you it's unnatural the the way you you convey a a lot of information very efficiently and you also are just talking about how great you are i think you you shouldn't skirt around the subject you have to get straight to it these are my three reasons why i satisfy your selection criteria and no filler words nothing just i am this i have this i've done that number two i am this i have this i've done that boring but effective that's that would be my main advice and answer the question have their selection criteria next to whatever question they have make sure you're ticking that box because they're not reading it they're not they're not looking for an interesting read. They're doing that as well. They've got their criteria next to it and they're giving you marks. Um, So see it like an exam more than a sort of personal statement kind of thing.
0: And when you're writing these applications to different chambers, did you adapt your approach or did you find actually something quite formulaic that worked well and you employed it to each different chambers and perhaps maybe just adjusted certain words to fit a Chambers more than the other?
1: So it really depends on which questions we're talking about, because all Chambers ask different questions. But for the main ones, why does Chambers, uh, why you? Um, those kinds of questions, I, I adopted a thematic approach, so free themes usually, which would run consistently with all the answers, but tailored to each Chambers specifically. Which is hard. You need to do a lot of research. You need to really understand the area of law, and you need to give real examples of how and why, and evidence that you understand these areas. And that is hard. Um, my top tip would be going to court if you're really interested in in a chambers. Watch their barristers um, doing applications on a Friday often, um, and just you know, see the bread and butter of the work and put that in your application, it always impresses them.
0: And then the next stage is the interview process. How did you find that? What's your experience been like?
1: It's a really chaotic period of time because you're sort of near the end of your GDL. You're about to do nine exams all in one. And you're also running from Uh, interview room to interview room, pretending you like one area of law one day, another area of law the other day. They make you sing, they make you do all sorts (laughs) of things. They don't, but they do make you argue in front of them on the spot. Um, I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed it much more than the written applications because you get some really interesting problems. You get some really hard questions from the panels and it's hard, but it's actually quite enjoyable. It's a lot of groundwork. I mean, you've got to prepare a lot. The more you prepare, the better you do. It is that simple.
0: And of course, then you were successful and you did obtain Pupillage your first time round. Do you have any sort of summary advice looking at your whole experience of the process that you almost wish you could tell yourself before you started the whole process?
1: Tips for myself. I should have been more focused, I think, in my applications because I did really know what I wanted to do. I think I wasn't... You have to be confident that you can achieve... At the ultimate goal, because otherwise there's no point going in. But I did realize that I was going in quite early. I was going in quite fresh. You're against bar students and a GDL, so I wasn't entirely convinced that it it was going to definitely happen that year. So I applied to a lot of sets, which I think I over applied. Um, so next year, not next year, but next time round, if there were everyone, I would apply to less sets. I think and be more focused.
0: Very interesting. And Nicholas, of course, we have glossed over a very big area of your experience, which has been Gray's Inn. You were a GDL scholar uh, for your GDL year, and you are now also a bar course scholar. And you are, of course, the Aegis president this year. So can you tell us a little bit about how Gray's Inn has helped your career at the bar and actually what you've gained from being a part of the inn and your experience here?
1: You forgot to mention my neighbours, residential scholars. Um, But yeah, I I can't believe we haven't talked about Grey's Inn yet, because actually one of my earliest experiences of the bar during undergrad was being invited to a dinner in Grey's Inn Hall. Not really knowing much about the bar or Law, uh, but really liking the the community feel of it, um, really liking the ability to network with top barristers. I think I was sat next to um, Law Panic. (laughs) <laughs> on. Wow. And I didn't realise who he was at the time. And now I look back and think, well, that was an amazing experience. Um, but then, I mean, the reality of it, thinking about scholarships, is without those scholarships, it, it would have been very, very difficult for me to r- make it this far that GDL is expensive. The bar course is incredibly expensive. And those scholarships also are a sort of badge of support from the Inn. It gives you the backing. It gives you confidence. I remember being quite nervous going into my GDL um, scholarship interview. I was still quite fresh to wanting to be a barrister. I wasn't sure if I had enough experiences. Um, but getting that scholarship gave me a lot of confidence, for sure. And I think it's having the support of the Inn is really important.
0: So you mentioned there that we are, in fact, neighbours. We've been keeping that a secret. We are very fortunate to both be residential scholars here at Grey's Inn. And that is definitely a fantastic opportunity, not just to meet people, meet barristers, but also meet other students and learn a lot more about the process of becoming a barrister. Tell me a little bit about your experience of gaining that Barcourt Scholarship and then the residential aspect of it.
1: So you can apply for a residential scholarship um, after you've been confirmed for a Barcourt Scholarship and it's a separate interview process. Uh, There's more means testing and you get questions like, what would you do if your housemate stole your milk from the fridge? Yeah,
0: I think they're wanting to assess how nice you will be to live with, so. Um,
1: And I I found it harder than my bar course interview, actually, I thought it was much more rigorous. And then you're sort of told um, quite last minute, here is your flat, you're going to be living with these people. Um, First one to move in gets the first room. (laughs)
0: It's a point of contention between the two of us here.
1: So yeah, we all we all rushed in, moved in together. We're all aspiring barristers. Other housemate has pupillage in Birmingham in crime, and two of our housemates are applying for pupillage. So it was a nice mix of people. But you also have people on other at other providers, so you get sort of an insight of other people studying the bar course, uh, what it's like for them, their experiences, and you can sort of share experiences, which I found really helpful. Waking up in Grey's Inn is also quite inspiring, I think, if you have any motivation. Absolutely.
0: It's such a privilege and it's so nice to have a little hub of the other residential scholars with you who are going through the same thing. We're all on the bar course, albeit at different providers, but going through the same year. A thing that I found amazing this year so far is not only just living in Gray's Inn, but being able to take advantage of the mixed messes and the other events that Gray's Inn host and as a little introduction to what they are, are these lovely dinners in hall, you'll have speakers, you'll meet barristers, judges, and other students. And we've loved going to those events together, haven't we? And just meeting other people. Tell me about what you've liked about living in the Inn.
1: Yeah, it's a, I think it's a fundamental part of being part of an Inn. It's this sort of tradition of networking. It can be quite daunting and surreal in many ways, because it is very traditional. But at its core, it's just mixing with people across the profession of different seniorities and getting their help, getting their experience in an informal but accessible way. The dinners, I've always found very helpful. I've learned a lot from them. I've got tips. there's other events as well I, I did Scottish dancing <laughs> last Thursday which was a new thing yeah you they started can doing. just
0: enjoy yourself exactly it's not all just about networking and learning but actually making friends and making memories as well has been really enjoyable
1: so yeah. a lot of what I did was things that were premature yeah, I wasn't really meant to be doing at that stage I, you get to the bar course and this is actually your year where you're finally allowed to do these things, you're allowed to get all these scholarships and it all comes together. It's like after all that groundwork, it's finally where it comes into place and then you just start working.
0: I completely agree. It's a nice point in your path to the career where everyone is at the same stage. You're learning these skills of being an advocate on your bar course. You're also completing these qualifying sessions at your inn, learning more, meeting new people. And finally, those previous years of researching in your room, not knowing anything about this career, almost feeling quite alone and by yourself, you're finally at a stage where um, you're with like-minded people on the same path. And it's a really great experience.
1: Yeah, for sure. GDR and bar course here, you feel like you belong professionally for the first time. Um, Undergrad is a bit more, you're testing out the waters, there aren't as many opportunities, you sort of have to hustle.
0: (laughs) But a point of encouragement for anyone who is currently at that stage where they're not too sure about how to go about getting to the bar, that it may seem like a long way off now, but eventually all of those small things you're doing, those moots you're applying for, mini pupillages, even just going to court, as Nicholas said, by yourself and watching the advocates. It will all amount to something once you get to your bar course year. And I really would encourage anyone who's thinking about a career at the bar to just keep going. And you might feel by yourself at the moment, but look to the inns Look to your university societies, look to other people, and use those resources around there because they are there to help you. Thank you so much, Nicholas, for talking to me today. We've learned so much. You, of course, have had a really successful but also quite quick um, journey to the bar. And I think it's really useful to know that a lot of hard work has gone into that, but also it is definitely possible. And from that very first moot, just having the confidence to put yourself out there in quite a daunting experience. Learn from that, grow, gain confidence, and that's then how you can progress. Just as a little reflection, Nicholas, what is something that you wish you knew earlier, say back to when you were at university, when you really didn't know too much about the bar? Is there any final tips you could offer students that are aspiring to be a barrister?
1: I think the, something I'm most grateful that I did is the pro bono experiences. I think nothing gets you further to the bar because it's a real practical experience. So I'm really glad that I did it. And I think I would recommend that above anything else to students.
0: Amazing. Thank you so much for coming in to talk to me today, Nicholas. And thank you for being on the Raising the Bar podcast.
1: Thanks for having me on, Neve Thanks for listening to the Raising the Bar podcast
0: Please subscribe, rate and review. And for more information, check us out on Twitter at AGI Students.